It's hard to believe that eight months ago, I was standing in this very spot for our very first service at Calvin. Now, you may not know this, uh, but the moment I sort of walked up here, I was getting ready to begin, and all of a sudden, I got hit by an overwhelming wave of panic. Do you know how that feels? That there was nothing rational about it whatsoever. I mean, we had been planning for months. We had been here and done a walkthrough. I'm, we, this had been clearly provided for us by God. We were so grateful up until the Lord provided this arena for us to meet in. We didn't know where we were going to meet, and so when God gave it to us, it was a huge blessing. I knew all of that intellectually, but still when I stood right here in this spot and got ready to start, I felt the panic begin to rise. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to make it eight months. Like, I'm not going to make it through this. And, to be honest, at that moment, I had a very strong temptation to run off that platform and out those doors. I think it was simply the idea of embarrassment that kept me from doing that. But in that moment, it was this thought of, this is different. This is different than what I'm used to. You all seem so far away. The sound is different than what I'm used to. Uh, the fact that, if you'll remember, on the very first week we met, there was snow. Lord, I'm going to show up here in one of these Sundays. There's just not going to be anybody here. They might come for a week or two, but at some point they're going to think this is too much trouble. It's different than what I'm used to, and no one will come. And all of those, and I know they're irrational, all of those irrational fears sort of welled up inside of me. And I really did want to run for it. And in that moment, in the kindness of God, I heard a, just a quiet voice inside my soul that said, you don't have to do eight months worth of services today. You just have to do one. And if you'll just obey, I'll take care of the 11 o'clock service when we get there, and I'll take, a take care of next week's service when we get there. And with God as my witness, I simply stood here and said, this may be a train wreck, but I know he's commanding me to be here, and so I'm just going to submit and obey. And we got through the first service, and I thought, wow, oh, Lord, that was pretty good. You were here. And we got through the second service, and the Lord was really powerfully present. And here we are eight months later, and I'm here to testify that he has been faithful. I didn't know how it was all going to work that first Sunday. All I knew was submit and obey and be patient while God does what he wants to do. I had forgotten about that fear until I started thinking about, okay, Lord, it's our final service. What is it that you have for us to talk about? And I opened my Bible and saw that the Lord had sovereignly arranged that this morning's topic was patience in the face of affliction. And I thought, Lord, that's perfect. Because you have been faithful in response to our patience as a church to go with the Lord on this journey. And so today, on our last Sunday here at Calvin, we have the opportunity to talk about patience as God leads you through journeys that can be difficult, suffering and affliction, 
but ultimately God's faithfulness in the midst of those. So please take a Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. It's page 920 if you're using one of the Bibles that you might have picked up on the way in. Romans chapter 12. While you're turning, we've spent uh, almost the past year in the book of Romans, but particularly the past five weeks or four weeks or so, we're in a series that we're calling the Ten Commandments of Love. And the idea is, is that in Romans 12, God gives us ten things that if we will obey them and do them, they will bless every one of our human relationships. So again, Romans 12 is not primarily about our relationship with God. It flows out of our relationship with God. And the first 11 chapters of Romans is about our relationship with God. And now in Romans 12, God is instructing us to take what we have learned from our relationship with him and use that to be a blessing and to experience blessing in marriage relationships, parenting, grandparenting, work relationships, church relationships, neighborhood, school, wherever it may be. Last week, we looked at the fourth commandment, which is be joyful in hope. And we talked about the fact that when we allow ourselves to be joyful in the hope of what God has promised he will do for us, it's a blessing to everyone we're around in the present. Today, we look at the fifth commandment, which is in Romans 12, and it's simply the phrase in the middle of the verse, be patient in affliction. Be patient in affliction. Now, what does this mean? In order to understand what Paul is saying here when he says be patient in affliction, it's necessary to look at a passage that comes earlier in the book of Romans that is a parallel to this passage. You don't need to turn there. I've got it on the screen for you. It's from Romans chapter 5. And in Romans 5, Paul is talking about suffering. And in the midst of that passage, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. Now that phrase, suffering produces perseverance, is parallel to our verse, be patient in affliction. The word for suffering and the word for affliction are the exact same word in Greek. The word for perseverance is simply the noun form of the verb be patient. So essentially what we have is the exact same formulation. We're talking about suffering and we're talking about patience. But the problem is, in Romans 5, it says suffering produces patience. In Romans 12, it says be patient in suffering. That seems a little circular. Which is it? Is it suffering that produces patience, 
Or are we supposed to be patient in the midst of suffering? And the answer is both. Romans 5 is addressing suffering from God's point of view. And what it's acknowledging is, is that often God allows suffering to come into our lives. Things that are outside of our control. And the reason he does that is because as you and I go through periods of time in which we cannot control what is happening to us or around us, it develops within us patience and perseverance. That patience and perseverance is part of character, which is part of hope. It's making us more like Jesus. That's what Romans 5 is talking about. Romans 12 is addressing the issue of suffering from our point of view. And the point of Romans 12 is, in every situation of suffering, in every affliction that you and I go through, there come opportunities in which you and I are tempted to run off the platform, in which we are tempted to abandon the suffering, in which we are tempted to do whatever we can do to make the suffering and affliction stop. And Romans 12 is saying, when those situations arise... Instead of choosing to abandon suffering prematurely, choose to be patient. James 1 takes both the idea of Romans 5 and Romans 12 and puts them together. James 1 says this, Consider it pure joy, and you'll remember last week we talked about how most New Testament passages that talk about joy do so in the context of suffering. James is one of those. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's Romans 5. God allows us to go through suffering because suffering produces perseverance. But look at the next verse. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's Romans 12. And it's an acknowledgement that you and I have a choice in the midst of our suffering to either allow the suffering to accomplish what God has purposed for that suffering to accomplish, or to try to end the suffering, to try to get out of the suffering, to try to stop the affliction before it's done what it's supposed to do. That's what we're focused on this morning. Be patient in affliction. So when I tell you the story of me standing up here and feeling that fear, that's the testing of the faith. And acknowledging that God said, look, it wasn't my choice and it wasn't your choice for us to leave our building for eight months and to come on a journey with the Lord. The Lord imposed that upon us, and part of the reason he did that was so that you and I would grow together in patience and perseverance. However, on that first Sunday, standing up here, now I get that it wasn't rational, but there was a moment 
when I genuinely considered running for it. Romans 12, 12 is saying in those moments, when you think I'm not going to make it, when you think the journey is too long, when you think the weight is too much, there are times where we have to make the choice to stay with what God is doing. Let me give you a few other examples to show you what it means to be patient in the midst of affliction. Here's a negative example, one where it didn't work. And that's the story of Jonah. Now you may recall the story of Jonah. Jonah's a prophet from Israel. And he sent to enemies of the Israelites the city of Nineveh. And God says to Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh and preach repentance to them. Jonah doesn't want anything to do with it. Tries to go the opposite direction. God sends him to Nineveh anyway. He gets there and preaches a message from the Lord. And what happens is one of the great evangelistic events in the history of mankind. It is a miraculous occurrence. 120,000 people hear the message and respond positively to it. It's amazing. Now you would think that Jonah would be ecstatic. He's not. He climbs up on a hill overlooking the city of Nineveh, waiting for the destruction to come. And it doesn't. And he's frustrated. He says to the Lord, I knew you were going to do this. You're always forgiving people. See, he wants his enemies destroyed. So in the midst of this, while Jonah is not thinking about things the way the Lord wants him to think about, the Lord allows him to go through some suffering. He causes the sun to beat down on him, and he causes a harsh wind to blow against him. Jonah builds himself a shelter. And God says, I can do better than that. And so God miraculously causes a plant to grow up over Jonah to provide him with shade and with comfort and protection. Jonah rejoices. Then God kills the plant. He takes it away and puts Jonah back into the suffering. Because he's not yet learned the lesson that God cares for everyone. Jonah gets angry with the Lord. And God says to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry with me? This is Jonah's response. Jonah says, it is. (laughs) I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. That's someone who is not being patient in affliction. He's not looking around at the suffering saying, why is this happening? What is the Lord trying to teach me? He's refusing to submit to that suffering, and he's doing anything he can to make it stop. That's the opposite of what Romans 12, 12 is telling us to do. Another example. This is a positive one. Some of you may be familiar with Linda Hamlet. She's a woman who's a part of our church who the Lord has assigned a very, very difficult health situation. She's been in this health situation for a long time. This week, without me sort of requesting it from her, she sent me an email with regards to her situation. She was sending it in response to the sermon on Be Joyful in Hope. I read it and thought, Not only is this about being joyful in hope, 
It's a perfect example about being patient in affliction. And so I asked Linda, who's not able to be here because of that health situation, would you mind if I shared part of that email with the congregation? She said it would be okay if it would be a blessing to others. She wanted to use what she's suffering to bless others. In the email, she talks about especially a period during, from 1999 to 2001 where she went through, by her best count, some 25 different surgeries and spent roughly 26 months in the hospital over that three-year period. In the midst of that, she's crying out to God, feeling this overwhelming affliction and suffering. And this is what she said. This is a quote from her email, but it was her prayers to God at the time. Please take me home with you. Don't make me live like this. I'm of absolutely no use to you. Lord, I'm a burden to everyone I love. I can't sing. I can't serve. I can't write. I can't even breathe on my own. What use am I, God? Show me. And then she goes on to recount, that night, as my fever spiked to over 106 and my organs began to fail, I believe that I died that night. Medically, I coded. I was told a team of over 20 people worked for hours on me to restart my heart three times. During that, I believe God gave me a glimpse of heaven. And it was amazing. I don't even have the words to describe it. I felt what I believe were angels lift me off my bed. I looked down and saw doctors and nurses working on my lifeless body. The angels took me zooming past stars toward a most intense light, so intense I couldn't look at it directly. There was a peace that I cannot explain and I've never felt since. I heard a voice like I've never heard before tell me, Linda, it's not your time yet. You have work yet to do. Your boys need you. You have to go back. I argued, please, please let me stay. I'm so tired of fighting. I'm useless to you there now. You have to go back, daughter, the voice said again. No, please let me stay. Then with a firm tenderness, the voice said, I will be with you. I will give you strength. Do not fear. You will see me again. That's all I remember. That next day, Lorna Dobson came to visit me alone. I was so weak, I couldn't even open my eyes. As she often did, she read to me. That day, she read the daily devotion from our daily bread. I really can't tell you what it said, except for the verse attached. It was Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. See, at every situation, there is a chance Linda could have ended her life. She could have refused uh, to, to take the assignment that the Lord had given to her. Being patient in affliction means accepting the fact that God is putting you through something and allowing him to accomplish what it is he wants to accomplish in and through that thing. There's always the opportunity to fight against God. Even in a health situation, there's always an opportunity to be patient in affliction is to not take that choice. One final example. 
Lenski, uh, who's one of our pastoral residents, lit our Advent candle this morning. And he told you that this week he's rejoicing, he and Tanya, uh, at the adoption of their son, Gavin. What some of you may remember is that Lenski was on uh, the platform about four years ago <clears throat> as a resident at Calvary Church, talking about how God had led him and his wife to adopt a child from Russia. And that we had a chance to come alongside of them, and he was praising the Lord that they were going to get to do this. That little boy's name was Maxim. And Lenski and Tanya filled out all their paperwork, did all of their stuff, and they had a site visit where they went to the orphanage in Russia, and they got to meet Maxim. Everything was set to go for the adoption, and the Russian government shut down all American adoptions of Russian children. Amazingly, the last day that Lenski and Tanya had with Maxim in the orphanage in Russia was December 5th, 2012. Now, the reason why Lenski is rejoicing this morning is, is their adoption of Gavin, which is a domestic adoption, their adoption of Gavin was finalized on December 5th, 2016, just this past Monday. And as Lenski was talking about this, he says, there's no way to see the way all of this lined up and not see the Lord's hand in it. And he told the story about how he and Tanya got back and were unable to have this boy come with them. That their first inclination was to fight. There were other families in America who were just as far as long as they were. And they began to have meetings. Are there ways that we can use the political process or the legal system? Is there any way to force Russia to, met, to let these adoptions go forward? And Lenski and Tanya got involved. And at one point, the Lord said to Tanya, I don't want you to fight this anymore. And they had a choice to be patient in affliction is to accept that God had caused their adoption journey to have some strange twists and turns. They have waited longer than many people to adopt this child. They could have kept fighting. They could have given up on the idea of adoption in general. We tried, it just didn't work. They could have abandoned their faith or gotten angry with God or refused. Lord, you let us down this path and then you shut the door on us. To be patient in affliction is to submit to the fact we didn't plan this journey, but we're going to keep going on the journey and keep putting one foot in front of the other and allow God to do what he's planning to do. God used that journey to transform Lenski and Tanya and to prepare them to be the parents that they're going to be, that they are to Gavin, to be the pastor that God is training uh, Lenski to be. See, the problem with you and I as humans is that when we enter into suffering, our first thought is, how do I make this end as quickly as possible? Our first inclination is, how do I get out? How do I make the affliction end? And the encouragement from Romans 12, 12 is, don't do that. Be patient in affliction. 
God allows you and I to go through difficult things in our lives because he is trying to transform us and change us. And if our first inclination is, how do I make this end? We will not allow him to do the thing that he wants to do. And the truth be told is, if we run out of one suffering without learning the lesson, he's just going to put us back in the beginning of the course to repeat the class. And so the encouragement from Romans is be patient in the midst of affliction. The Lord is with you. He's transforming you. He's teaching you. He's changing you. Let him do his work. Now you say, well, does that mean we're not supposed to do anything? Does that mean anytime anything bad happens, we just kind of sit back and go, okay, well, I'll just be patient. I'll just do nothing. Two things I need to say about that. One, no, that's not what that means. It's important that the rest of the verse, the sixth commandment, is be faithful in prayer. We're going to talk about that sixth commandment when we get to the new year. But the point is, is that in the midst of affliction and suffering, we are given a very important action by the Lord to do, and that is to pray to pray earnestly, to pray faithfully. For whatever reason, we're a stubborn, stiff-necked people. It takes suffering to get us to pray the way we're supposed to pray. So I'm not telling you when something bad happens, just sit back and do nothing. I'm telling you that's the time not to take matters into your own hands, but to give it over to God and allow God to be the one to do whatever it is that God has to do. James 1.5 says the same thing. Remember, James is the passage, the parallel passage about persecution. James 1.5 goes on to say, in the midst of suffering and difficulty, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you don't know what you're supposed to do, if you don't know how to handle this suffering and affliction, if you don't know what to do tomorrow, you should ask God, that's prayer, who gives generously to all without finding fault. If you're in the middle of suffering, and you're like, Lord, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do today. The promise is he will not get mad at you. If you ask him for wisdom, it will be given to you. And so no, you're not supposed to just sit around and do nothing. The suffering and the affliction is supposed to be an encouragement to get on your knees and pray like you've not prayed before. Second, when it says be patient in affliction, that's an active verb. It's not a passive verb. Patient may not ultimately be the uh, ideal translation because it doesn't include something in English that I think is present in the Greek, and that is it includes the idea of enduring that when you are being patient, it's an action that God has given you to do to say, endure the suffering. You could hear it in Linda Hamlet's email. She said it to me again this week uh, on, on one of the messages she left for me. I can't sing in the choir. I feel like I'm not serving the Lord because my health is not allowing me to sing in the choir. But the point is, is that in the midst of suffering, if you do the work, and it is work, 
the work to look for what God might be up to, if you do the work to refuse to allow yourself to give in to those irrational negative thoughts, if you do the work to say, okay, Lord, what is it you're trying to change about me in the midst of this situation? If you do the work to be joyful in hope, you are serving the Lord. If the assignment he has given you right now is not to sing in the choir or to usher, but to simply endure seemingly unbearable suffering, when you do that, you are serving the Lord. So being patient is not, well, just sit back and see what happens. It's actively praying, and it's actively working to endure. Now, what does that have to do with our personal relationships with one another? Perhaps you've been able to see how this has something to do with our relationship with God. But remember, Romans 12 is giving us these commands because it will allow us to be a blessing to one another as we journey through life. Well, I thought about this this week. What would have happened with my relationship with all of you if on that very first Sunday eight months ago I had run for the doors? There's no way to come back from that. Because the Lord said, stay, and I stayed, that blesses my relationship with you and your relationship with me. Likewise, I'm sure for every one of you, there's come some point over this past eight months where you thought, I don't want to go to Calvin. I don't want to be part of the church. I don't want to do this. This was hard to get up this morning. This is work to do. Whatever it is, by choosing to be patient in the midst of affliction, and go with us on this journey, that's a blessing to me and to all those around you. You know, it's amazing to me. When I got up and I saw the snow, I thought, oh, man, look at all this snow. And then the Lord said, do you remember the last time it snowed while you were at Calvin? It was the very first week. And between the first week and the last week, we've had amazing weather while we've been here. And I think God was trying to say, look, you've grown as a church. There are going to be people who come, whether it snows or hails or sleets. They're not coming for you. They're coming for me. But the fact that they're here is a blessing to me. I can't tell you how overjoyed I am to look out and see all of you here. It does affect our relationship with others. What about Linda Hamlet? What if she had refused to obey the Lord and continue to go on living? What if she had taken her own life? What if she had become bitter with God? Would that not have negatively affected her relationship with her children? Would that not affect her relationship with her husband? The fact that she's still a part of this church, the fact that she's in our choir, the fact that she is a blessing, the fact that she is being patient in affliction is not just about her relationship with God. It's about her relationship with us. And she is a blessing to us because of that patience in affliction. What about Lenski and Tanya? Is it not a blessing in their relationship with Gavin, their, their, their child that they didn't give up on adoption? Is it not a blessing in their relationship with Gavin that they didn't give up on the Lord? Being patient in affliction not only is helpful in our relationship with God, 
it is a blessing to all those we interact with. What if you have a teenage child? And your teenage child comes home from school one day and talks about how uh, they have been bullied at school. Or friends have kind of left them out of the group that they're hanging out with. Or they didn't get invited to be a part of something. Or a teacher has been picking on them. If you, listening to them going through that, immediately jump in and call all their friends on the phone or have a meeting with the teacher to try to fix this problem, because as a parent, that's what I want to do. I want to knock some heads and I want to get everybody to see things in my kids' best interest. How's that going to go for your child? Is that going to be a blessing to him or her? If instead you choose to be patient in affliction and you step back and say, this is an opportunity for you and your teenage child to pray earnestly, this is an opportunity for you to be able to say, what is it that God is trying to do in your life and what is it that God is trying to do in my life? And instead of immediately jumping in to make the suffering or affliction end, you choose instead to be patient in affliction, Will that not bless your relationship with that teenage child? Or what if you're in a marriage and your marriage partner is neglectful? They're not giving much time or energy or effort to you. It's their work or their friends or uh, social media or whatever it is is absorbing their time and energy and effort. If your first inclination is to beat them over the head or to nag them with all the things they're doing wrong to point out to them over and over again how they're failing to be the kind of husband or the kind of wife that they're supposed to be, do you think that will be a blessing to your marriage relationship? If instead you choose to realize for whatever reason God is allowing us to go through this situation at this time, This is an opportunity for me to give my marriage to him in prayer and to ask, okay, Lord, what is it you're trying to do in me? What is it you're trying to accomplish in my spouse in allowing us to go through this time? And I'm going to continue to go with you on this journey until you are done doing what you want to do, not what I think we ought to be done. Or what if it work? You've been assigned a project or a boss that simply you don't mesh with. If the first thing you do is walk in and say, I quit, or go above your boss to his or her boss, or rally all of the people around you uh, to be negative towards this project or that situation, will that be a blessing to your coworkers or to your boss or to your company? No. If instead you choose to be patient in the face of affliction, if you choose to say, okay, Lord, what is it you're trying to accomplish in me? What is it you're trying to accomplish in the people around me through this suffering? And how do I pray my way through this? And how do I stick in this? How do I stand up under it so that you can accomplish what you want to accomplish? That will be a blessing to your boss, to your company, to your coworkers, and to you. The point is being patient in affliction blesses our children, our spouses, our grandparents, our coworkers, our neighbors, our church family. 
In every situation, God says, be patient in affliction. There's always a chance at some point during the suffering to run. There's always a chance to quit. And listen, you could have told me all the reasons why these eight months were going to be fantastic. I get them. I see them at the end of the eight months. (laughs) I get it. But at that moment when you're standing in this place and that fear comes, you can't think about all those rational reasons. But what you can do is obey. And the Lord says, stick with me. And so here we are at the end of these eight months. And I'm here to testify. God has been faithful. And if I had run out, if you had run out, before we got to the end of the eight months, the Lord would not have had the chance to do in you and in me what he purposed to do by leading us on this journey. This is not an accident. There are no accidents with the Lord. This was meant to bless us as a church. It was meant to bless Calvin as an institution. It was meant to bless what God wants to do in and through us in the wider city of Grand Rapids. And the point was, stick with me. Let me do this.